Welcome to Decoding SaaS, a podcast where we talk to founders and industry experts to deep dive into strategies that help them build and sustain a 10 million ARR business, a podcast that will provide actionable tactics and strategies from the minds of SaaS professionals. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Alex. Excited to have you here in flesh. I think haven't met a lot of people, so very excited to have you here. Thanks for coming by. For sure. You are outside of Bangalore. I'm in India. Why not? Right? Yeah. I, look at this spot. This yeah. was worth coming out. We drove out here. It took two hours to get out here. Yeah. No, and it was 100% worth it. No, I'm glad that you're out here. So what I want to talk to you about, Alex, is about content creation. So I've been SaaS focused on sort of building SaaS kind of products and things like that. And I really focused on sort of, as we talked about before, is bottom of the funnel, right? Where we're focused on sort of getting leads there and sort of closing sales there. Now we really want to sort of build out an audience both from a recruitment perspective, from a brand perspective, and really build brand equity. So that's what I wanted to kind of talk to you about. So I would love to kind of hear your backstory. I know you're really popular on YouTube. That's how I actually discovered you. So how did you get started? Can you tell me a little bit about what made you say that, hey, I'm going to create this content, and how did you get started? When I was in college, I was dating this girl, and we just moved in together, and then we broke up. Okay, so I was, I was alone. I, I went from like having all these roommates and stuff to like just being alone in this house, uh, townhouse. And the only place I was going for like friends, like none of my friends were talking to me. They all picked her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was just watching YouTube and I was watching all these vloggers. In the, it, back in the day when I was doing this, like when I started, it was a long time ago, eight, nine years ago. Yeah. So YouTube wasn't what it is today. Yeah. YouTube was mostly like reactions to other people's channels and people talking directly to the camera. And I really liked that. So I was watching that. And then Noah Kagan from AppSumo was doing some business content. Yeah. And that was why I decided to get into YouTube. When I really got going, it was this thing called Make Money Week, which was, I was telling one of my friends, after I got some friends, I was telling one of my friends about the amazing business I wanted to start. And I realized as I was telling him this business idea that I hadn't made any money ever in my entire life. Yeah. No entrepreneurial money. So I just committed that day. I was like, all right, let me just go home. It'll be day zero, make money week. By the end of the day, I'm gonna make 100, by the end of the week, I'm gonna make $100. And I just documented day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. They're still up on YouTube. And that was what got me going. And now I use YouTube the exact same way to this day. YouTube is an accountability tool to make sure that I get my work done. That's all it is. It's not a lead gen platform, even though we've made millions of dollars off YouTube. It's not a brand building platform, even though we have 60,000 plus subs. You know, it's not even really a uh, nonprofit initiative, even though we've changed millions of people's lives. It's really, it's really just, if I don't have somewhere to report the stuff I'm doing, I won't do a single thing. That's why I make videos. Absolutely love it, man. So kind of the kind of the end objective was just accountability and something that you kind of fell in love with rather than having sort of an ulterior sort of financial motive or building brand or anything like that. So in terms of, uh, did you have any sort of anxieties with sort of kind of getting started? Because I know a lot of great entrepreneurs who have, and I'm one of them, right? Uh, this is sort of kind of my foray into actually creating content. How do you sort of break that anxiety of kind of building content? Or how did you do that? How did you do that? What I did originally was just hit record. The make money videos, make money week videos, I don't even think they're edited. I think it's just hitting record, hit upload. And that was how I started. I was, a, I was an actor as a kid. I was okay. in a couple commercials. So oh, I yeah. learned to... I see to, the chiseled jaw over here. This is, is that... what I got, dude. <laughs> yeah. I learned to treat the camera just like a person. If you're talking to it, you treat it like a person. If you're not talking to it, you treat it like it's not there. Like right now, I'm not even thinking about the camera. Okay. And 
that's about it. I also think about someone's hanging out with you. Like we're hanging out, we're playing golf earlier, we're hanging with your team. You're you, yeah. right there. There's no need to be anyone different when the camera's on. Awesome. So when it comes to picking platforms, right? So when you started, YouTube was something, as you said, at the nascent stage. Now there's a lot of business content that's there. Now there are other platforms like Twitter, Insta, people are doing Clubhouse. How do you say someone picks a platform? Is it where the platform they're the most comfortable with? Or is it more about, hey, where are you, where's your audience hanging out? The way that I pick platforms is based on the hype. So everything I do is based around following the hype. So what am I personally hyped about? In that moment, I'm going to do. And so if I get addicted to a new platform, like for instance, I was making YouTube videos, or still making YouTube videos, probably doing like six a week now. I don't know how many we're doing. But I was so addicted to Twitter. And I was tweeting, and I was checking my notifications, doing all day, all day, all day, for like maybe four months. And I realized, if I'm going to be doing this, I should probably take it seriously. So that's, that's how I do it. It's like, what platforms are you addicted to? I watch YouTube so much. I watch... If I'm alone, like if our, te our team's around, we're in India, but like if I'm alone, I'll watch YouTube for six hours, like David Dobrik and like all the vloggers, everything. I love YouTube. Okay. But I'm also now on Twitter for four or five hours a day. Yeah. So you could take that and you could be like, I'm a lazy sack of crap, right? What am I doing? I'm consuming all this content. But because I also create content, now it's my work too. Okay. So that's the way I would, uh, that's the way I would think about creating content. What are you personally addicted to? And then you might as well get good at it. Okay. Got it. So what do you actually like? And then kind of spend some time there and kind of leverage that. So for, for Twitter specifically, because yeah. I, was, I was at 4,000 subs on Twitter for like five years. Yeah. And then as soon as that clicked for me, we learned Twitter and now we're over 30,000 subs. Twitter is going to surpass YouTube. It already surpasses YouTube in terms of monthly impressions. We got 7 million impressions last month. Yeah. We don't get that on YouTube. We don't get that on any social platform. I'll post a video on Twitter and it'll get the same amount of views as our YouTube video gets in a week in about two hours. Okay. Yeah. Twitter is that huge for us. And the only thing that changed was I'm still tweeting the same amount as I did before, maybe a little more, but I learned how to tweet. Yeah. What, you, you have a course on that as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the course and what are some of the high level kind of techniques that you teach? Sure. The course is called Twitter 10K. You guys can get it twitter10k.com. In the course, we talk about our journey from going from nothing on Twitter to making, when we filmed the course, it was like $26,000 in a month, something good for us. And then we also take over somebody else's Twitter account and grow it from zero to 10,000 followers in three days. Wow. Okay. And I'll tell you exactly what I learned when I was doing the Twitter 10K yeah. thing. One, the only thing you really need is a Twitter account worth following and then the followers will happen. So the guy's account we, who we took over, his name was K Prime. He's a Singapore software developer at a Fortune 500 company. Okay. I took his account, which was just called K Prime. It had like 48 followers, and I unfollowed the 400 people he was following. Yep. So he's following three people and had 48 follow. I'm riffing these numbers, by the way. All the videos are inside the course. I'm riffing these numbers, yeah. but it was something like that. Then I rebuilt his profile, changed his name from K Prime to L Software King, and now his profile was, he's a software developer. His profile is all about how to build SaaS and how to do software. That was all I wrote. I was like, I, I wrote the bio, I wrote the name, I made the profile picture. Now it's an NFT, but the profile picture was just like a picture of a software or something. And I wrote a pinned tweet, which is just a backstory. The backstory for, for this one was just kind of the hero's journey. It was like, 
you know, I used to be a poor kid from Singapore and then I had to teach myself to code because I realized like coders made so much more money than anyone else. And then I fell in love with coding, but then I was stuck in my dead end job. And then, you know, I learned whatever. Okay. Stuck in my dead end job. And the only way out was to learn not just coding, but marketing as well. Why do marketers make so much more than coders? That's something I was always thinking. So I've now become the fusion of both, and my mission is to teach other people how to not just be good coders, but to build coding businesses. Follow me for more. It was something like that. And so I pinned that to the top, and, matter, and then I pushed a couple Twitter ads to it with lookalike audiences uh, based on other people like SaaSwiz and Cold Email uh, Wizard, which it's called Twitter pods. You find similar accounts, push some ads to it, and that was it. I put about 1000 bucks in ads to hit 10,000 followers, 15 cents a follower. That's awesome, man. And then I gave it right back to K-Prime. He has this account. That's incredible, man. Mm. That, uh, that's a way, great way of growing a platform. So diving into Twitter a bit, because I know that's something that you've fallen in love with mm. and something that I spend a lot of time on as well. So when it comes to sort of ads and audiences, right, how do you sort of acquire sort of audience, uh, how do you acquire or build an audience cost effectively that is actually relevant. So maybe let's say what's kind of the, were the audience that you were kind of getting, were they folks that were relevant to, uh, and were they kind of a global audience or was it kind of folks in, yeah, like what countries were these folks from that are kind of following this account and how is the engagement with this sort of, yeah, uh, with this kind of strategy? Because I think engagement is a critical, right? This is the big insight I had yeah. about Twitter. Okay. So Dennis Yu is a friend of mine. He's got 73,000 followers on yeah. Twitter, all organic, okay? Yeah. He posts a tweet, yeah. it gets less engagement than, than my account Wow. with okay. 23,000. Like sometimes he'll post a tweet, it'll get eight likes. Sometimes it'll get no likes. And it's like this across accounts, like Pat Flynn, also 130,000 followers. Sometimes he'll post and get like zero likes even. Uh, so many of those. So when I saw that, I thought, there's no difference, right? Like they spent all this time building what might be an organic audience, I don't know and they're getting less engagement than I'm getting, I'm just gonna promote this thing as ads. We're gonna sure. end up in the exact same position. Okay. So that, that's how I think about it. Uh, L Software King still has, I think he's, he's actually growing. He's got 10,000 followers now-ish, maybe more. Yeah. And people are engaging, he's got an audience. I go for global targeting, you can go for American targeting, but I've legit found, I, it, it's better to go for global, from my point of view. Okay. Um, I've also pivoted and, and developed more products for the global audience because of the fact that I, I could attract them to the account. But if you just wanted, like for instance, for uh, Wealth Squad Vishal, for Vishal, my, uh, my assistant, he's in India, we just wanted Indians, so we can get just Indians. For me, I go global, we get Nigerians and Indians, we get people from America, et cetera. Um, it just comes down to building a profile that people wanna follow. That's the main thing. If you build a profile that's garbage, then you're gonna get garbage followers. If you build a profile that only people that like you and resonate and would buy your products would follow, then that's what you're gonna get via ads. Uh, so for you, for instance, if you're trying to, what are you trying to do with Twitter? That's the question. What, what are you trying to do with Twitter? Yeah, so definitely to answer your question is build sort of brand equity for first principles. I would say that. And then for me, it's really about recruiting the right talent. So I think there's a lot of great talent on Twitter. So that, and then also building great relationships with folks like you and things like that. So I would say hiring is one piece and the second piece is building great relationships with other folks that I may be able to learn from or share my learnings with. So your bio would then be something like you know, seven figure SaaS entrepreneur, uh, building a great team of entrepreneurs in India, something like that, or building a great team of other entrepreneurs 
for job postings, go here. Something Got like that. Okay. And then the when, CTA needs to be exactly yeah. what you're looking at. Okay. Yeah, and, and that comes from training. What did I cover there, right? Yeah. Seven Figure Entrepreneur is case study. Yeah. It's similar actually to cold email. You know, we're all, <laughs> our thing's cold email. It's like yeah. case study. Uh, the custom compliment would then be replaced by like why they're here, what you're going to tweet about, and then call to action. Understood. Okay. Uh, no, that's definitely uh, that's definitely great learning. And yeah, people should definitely check out the, the, the course that you have and the other courses as well that you have. So let's talk a little bit about sort of the type of content that you create. Do you have a framework? Do you have a strategy uh, that you do follow around it? Uh, or is it just whenever you kind of think of something, you sort of tweet? What's your kind of content strategy and how do you ensure that you are able to actually kind of create content on a regular basis? On Twitter, this is what I got, because it's different on YouTube and Twitter. On Twitter, yeah. what I did first is uh, curate the people that I'm following. So if you are a reflection of your feed, then you want to make sure that your feed ref is like what you want to tweet. So I unfollowed so many people, and I only followed people that tweet kind of like what I want to tweet, like yeah. Cold Email Wizard and yeah. Dennis Damori and yeah. Oliver Canton and... Uh, Ed Lattimore, like all these guys in the money Twitter space, because that's what I wanted to be. If you're in VC space yep. or in Indian entrepreneurship space even, you could follow a bunch of VCs, you could follow a bunch of Indian SaaS entrepreneurs, or even just other giant SaaS entrepreneurs, whoever you want. That's what in the course we call it Twitter pods. It's basically you want to identify, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 people that all have the type of content that you want to make. Then you only follow and engage with those people. Uh, then when you open your Twitter, all you're doing is reading those tweets. So subconsciously, you're going to be tweeting like them. And then what I did is, uh, it's called content storming, which is you set, like, you could set a timer. I'm just fully addicted to Twitter. And you just come up with as many tweets as possible. And you just keep tweeting them as they're coming out. Like you're reading your feed for a little bit. Someone says something, makes you think of something. Instead of replying to their tweet, you just tweet it as its own tweet. Or someone says a meme, and you make your own version of the meme, you tweet it out. And you just content storm means as much content as you possibly can at, at once. Then you feed that into Twitter ads to find which pieces of those content get the most followers. And the reason why you want to storm it is when you're first starting out, you have to find out what tweets work. And the only way to find out what tweets work is to get you addicted to that notification algorithm. You want to feel physical pain when you tweet and it gets zero likes. And you want to feel like ultimate joy when you tweet and it gets like five likes even, just a little. And then eventually it'll start hitting big. That's, that's the main strategy, riffing strategy and just kind of feeling it out. The second thing that works very, very well is tweet modeling. Tweet modeling is where you go to an account that's similar to you, but in a different niche. So for instance, who do you love on Twitter? What's like a Twitter account that you like? Uh, Jason Lemkin. He is, yeah, he runs something called Saster. Yeah, I've had him on, on our show before. Oh, amazing, yeah. yeah. Um, so you would go to Jason Lemkin's tweets and you would look at his most popular tweets. You can actually use Twitter advanced search. So advancedsearch.twitter.com, I think it is, or just Google that. And you can set the parameters. You can be like, tweets by Jason Lemkin that got more than 100 likes. And then you look at his tweets. And, inst and then instead of copying his tweets, he might say something like, you know, the best way to grow a SaaS business is to do X, Y, Z, you know, three bullet points. Then you would write a tweet that was something like, you know, the best way to grow a SaaS business is, and then you'd write your own, but you'd keep it similar to his vibe. Um, it's actually easier if you go outside the niche. So one thing that I've really been loving is I go even crazier with it. So most people would go to like Elon Musk and write like 
Elon Musk, but now you're a SaaS guy, so you're writing Elon Musk as SaaS. But what I'm doing is we'll find ultra, vir ultra viral tweets, and we put it into this thing called, is it Twitter pack? Okay, we put it into this thing called Twitter Pack where we collected 400 tweets that were from accounts that had under 10,000 followers yeah. that got over 200,000 likes. So now I look at those and it's, and it's crazy stuff like, um, like AOC, or yeah, what was it? Uh, AOC said a tweet that was like, um, you know, if someone told me in 2014 that uh, at one point someone would be saying my name at a presidential debate, I would... Uh, I would tell them to quit whatever drugs they're on. Yeah, yeah. So then I wrote one and I was like, if somebody told me in 2014 that we would change millions of lives by teaching cold email, I would tell them to quit whatever drugs they're on. Same exact tweet, right? But for my niche. Yeah. And you could do that all day, all day, all day, all day. Okay. Awesome. So when it comes to content creation, I've seen a lot about ghostwriting as well on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I think for folks that are looking to build audience, the, they may be able to create content, but time is always something, hey, do I build my business or do I build an audience? So how, what are your thoughts about kind of ghostwriting or someone else kind of doing this for you? Do you think it can work or it, do you, you, you don't think as that as being a successful way of creating content, at least for Twitter? It can definitely work. And one of my favorite ghostwriters is this guy, J.K. Molina. Okay. Uh, we just interviewed him. It's, he's actually worth checking out because okay. he's, he's known for ghostwriting. Okay. Great guy. Uh, I'm actually a ghostwriter. I've been writing for Dennis Yu's account just wow, for okay. free. You know, I don't take on any clients. <laughs> I just, he just gave me access to his Twitter and said spam it if you want. So I've been spamming the crap out of his Twitter. And do I think ghostwriting works? J.K. Molina has a, a strategy which is basically exactly what I just talked about, which okay. is he's modeling other people's tweets, putting them through your voice. So of course it works. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so when it comes to content, have you seen media uh, having more, like in terms of images, having more of an engagement or what are tweets that actually get the most engagement so if you had to build a framework around that and you may be talking about it in your course so what are things that actually get the most engagement okay so we've gone we're going viral more and more now yeah. actually we're getting we're getting really close to figuring out exactly how to make this happen yeah what i've found is the tweets that get the biggest reach yeah. are the ones that can be read in multiple ways so our biggest tweet of the last three months was what was it um uh Bitcoin is AOL, Ethereum is Yahoo, Cardano is Google. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That got three or four million impressions, like wow. thousands of likes, a bunch of comments all over the place. Yeah. Now, that tweet hit for so many reasons. Cardano is Google. Cardano fanboys are going to comment that. They're going to like that. Cardano is Google. Every other crypto person thinks that's the stupidest thing they've ever heard in their life. Yeah. So they're going to comment that. They're going to retweet that for that reason. Yeah. So the best tweets are ones that can, can hit different audiences. Okay. So people that love Cardano are liking it. People that hate Cardano are liking it. It's okay. trending in the cryptocurrency spot because it's not just about Cardano or Bitcoin or whatever. It's, it's there. You know, Bitcoin guys, Bitcoin is AOL, really? They're hating the tweet. So now you've got all these different audiences. They're all commenting and it's all boosting the algorithm. Okay, got it. So, and is controversy tweeting controversial tweets or having an opinion within your tweets, it looks like that's also a very critical piece of kind of creating a viral sort of tweet? It's not necessarily controversy, but it's being, it's audience overlap is the way okay. to think about it. So we did the same thing when we, when we hit on, on TikTok. We had a TikTok that had like 2 million views and it was me uh, lip syncing to a Nicki Minaj song. Okay. But the reason why that one hit is 
it was uh, for a couple of reasons. So like Nicki Minaj fans, it was like a game. It's like if you listen to this TikTok for 15 minutes only or 15 seconds, only real barbs know when to say the word hey. So it was like me not lip syncing until the word hey was read at the end. So real barbs, you know, Nicki Minaj fans are going to watch that. Uh, I also, based on the comments, looked like Shane Dawson, and he was canceled at the time, so people thought Shane Dawson was back, so they were watching it for that reason. People were re-watching it, not even if they're a Nicki Minaj fan or a Shane Dawson fan, they're re-watching it just to play the game because they maybe heard the song before. So that's already three major audiences, uh, not even counting ones that were watching it just because I'm like a cute guy on their feed, you know, that might even be another one. So the best content is stuff that, that hits every audience like that. The wider your audience, the more views. Got it. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Alex, for kind of sharing kind of tips around sort of content creation. Honestly, this has sort of been helpful for sure. So definitely, well, people should definitely check out your course. It's 10K, Twitter10K.com? Twitter10K.com. Awesome. And so if you had to live, leave the audience here with one last kind of thought in terms of anything, right? It could be like creating audiences or anything like that. What would that be? The easiest way to create content is to... Build a list of the people you look up to and just start mimicking. Um, I know it's going to seem cringy to do, but you just got to push through it. And through it. you can make content. If you commit to it and you write like 30 tweets in the next 30 minutes, you'll be ahead of everyone else. Like, How many people have sat down and just committed to writing 30 tweets and actually like tried on every single tweet, doing the modeling, looking at the other accounts? By the end of 30 minutes, you're going to be ahead of 80% of everyone on Twitter, maybe even 90% of everyone on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks for your time again, Alex. Of course. And yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for listening to this episode. Increase traction to your SaaS product using SEO by downloading our comprehensive SaaS SEO checklist for free from the link given below. This 44-step checklist will help you rank higher in the SERPs and get more MQLs organically. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to get more insights into how to build a profitable SaaS business, you can join our free email list where we share growth tips, upcoming SaaS events, latest trends in the SaaS industry, and much more. Link is in the description below.